Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones, when taking their lamps, brought no oil with them, but the wise brought flasks of oil with their lamps. Since the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, there was a cry, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise ones replied, No, for there may not be enough for us and you. Go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves. While they went off to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went into the wedding feast with him. Then the door was locked. Afterwards, the other virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he said in reply, Amen. I say to you, I do not know you. Therefore, stay awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You can be seated. I don't know if you're lovers of poetry, but uh, the first reading is a beautiful meditation on the virtue of wisdom, right? And it gives wisdom two key characteristics in the first reading. First, she's figured as a woman, she is someone eager to bring her gifts to us. It talks about she's making her rounds. Now imagine security here on the Bahia, they're, they're all making their rounds throughout the night, right? Just coming around, checking that everything's... She's out there continuously waiting to see if there's a need, right? Who's looking for her? Who's waiting for her? The second, not just that she's eager, but wisdom depends on our being able to receive her, right? It's similar to our relationship with God. God's always present. He's always there. He's always sustaining and pleasant and blessing, but there's a side to our relationship with God depends on our disposition to receive him, to connect, right? Obviously, he doesn't force himself. Wisdom talks about she makes herself, hastens to make herself known in anticipation of their desire, right? They desire her, so she wants to be available. Whoever watches for her at dawn shall not be disappointed. Imagine the person who wakes up early, kind of meditates, reflects, listens to God, right? That person who wakes up looking for her early in the morning, she's going to be there right outside the gate. And he goes out onto the porch. She's right there waiting to come in. Or the one that meditates and thinks, maybe there's a problem that's bothering us and we sit up at night, everyone's else gone to bed, we're sitting there in our favorite chair, the house is quiet, we're kind of thinking and praying. Right? Wisdom will be there to listen, to respond, right? Whether it's in the morning or the night. Whoever for her sake keeps vigil shall quickly be free from care, right? Those worries that keep us up. That's the Lord, right? That's God. He's always there present, but depends a bit on our being disposed to receive and to listen. It's the same idea for the foolish virgins. It can seem kind of rough, right? Those five virgins who aren't generous with their oil. You're like, wait, the gospel's about being nice and kind and sharing. And here's these greedy virgins that are saying, no, 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 you go get your own oil. 
The reason was the virgins had the role of awaiting the bridegroom and the bride after the wedding, after the party, after the after party. <laughs> they were waiting at the residence, right? The first time he would bring his bride into his home. All the ten virgins were waiting there with their lamps to light up, help them prepare, and accompany them in anticipation of that most intimate moment. They were the best friends of the bride. Like, who, who would you trust to be in your apartment or in the hotel when you're done with your wedding, right? It's your closest girlfriends, right? The ones you trust, right? To, to prepare the, the room, to be there waiting, who will share your excitement, who will then also know how to disappear when the time is right, right? You trust them with that intimate moment. So these 10 needed to be ready for this most special. It's like, it's like having a, a, a maid of honor who doesn't really do her job who's not keeping an eye on your dress, who's not setting things up, who's not keeping the other girls participating and joyful and making the party and not the first ones out on the dance floor. Like if you don't have those girls that you can lean on and they come unprepared, it's, it's kind of like, wait a second, I need you to step up in this time, right? That's, that's what friends do. So when they're unprepared without the oil, five of them say, you know, I can't risk not being ready. I can't give this to you. It, it's not really mine to give. This is for her and for him. We have a duty, a responsibility. We can't risk that I share it, and then we all run out, and nobody's here. Imagine they show up and nobody's here on this most important night. There, it's more about their relationship with the bride and the bridegroom than with the other five or ten. It's like, I'm sorry you didn't come prepared as you should have, but I can't risk my job, right? In the same way, our hearts need to be ready for the Lord when he comes. We know not when he comes, right? It's not a scary thing like, oh no, he's going to catch me exactly in the moment when I'm not ready. The thief in the night, right, who's, who's always looking for the opportunity when the security is down and then they're going to pounce and steal. No, the Lord comes if, as a loving father, hopefully when we're most ready, but if we're habitually irresponsible, habitually not ready, habitually not caring, really, whenever the thief shows up, security's gonna be down. <laughs> he doesn't need to find the sweet spot. If you're just not prepared, you're not concerned, you're not aware. And so really, any hour is gonna be a bad hour. <laughs> but for the one who loves, for the one who's prepared, for the one who's concerned and thinking and, and preoccupied with this relationship, who's seeking wisdom in the morning, who's staying up at night, rolling things over, trying to see what God would want, that person is always ready. Their lamp is always burning. So there's no fear there. There's actually anticipation. There's excitement. Just like the, bride, the bridesmaids, they're the, the virgin. Just, they can't wait. They're not worried about running out because they know if they've got enough. They've come prepared. And whenever, they're just looking forward to the arrival. So it's possible... Uh, to get this lesson wrong, this lesson of being prepared and anticipating and waiting, really in two ways, especially in relation to God's coming. First, we can lull ourselves into thinking that that day and hour will never come, right? Let's eat, drink, be merry, right? <laughs> but we've got all we need, right? Or the second is always worry, like those end times folks, right? That are like, they're looking for signs everywhere. Like, oh my God, there's a tidal wave here. Oh no. The stock market seems to be going down here. Or no, they're almost at anything. They're like, uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> this is it. I knew it. It's not going to catch me off guard. 
I've been following all the YouTube channels and the Twitter accounts, and I'm ready, right? There can be an exaggerated anticipation, which is really built on fear and anxiety, or there can be uh, over-exaggerated trust. Like, ah, she'll understand. It's just her wedding night. We've been friends forever. Eh, well, you know, <laughs> that might not go over. There can be exaggerated trust, which really leads to laziness or selfishness, or there can be an exaggerated anxiety. Those are the two extremes that we can fall into, right? So we don't want to fall into either of those. So how do we do that? As Catholics, as people of faith, the month of November has long been the time to put things into perspective, right? It starts with Halloween, 31st, All Souls, right, on the 1st, and we pray for all of our, we pray for the veterans, those who have died in war, civilly. The whole month is kind of dedicated to fall beginning, if you're not living on the beautiful Caribbean, right? The trees are falling up in New York where I'm from. The snow is arriving. There's that death that's coming, and you're seeing it happen all around you. And so the church says, this is the time for us to meditate that what's happening in nature will one day happen to us. And so we need wisdom and peace of mind by meditating on the end things. We meditate. There's something coming. Death. A judgment, right? Heaven, or unfortunately, if our judgment doesn't go as we'd hoped, because we haven't put in the, the heart or the time, the possibility of risking our soul's eternity. So in Mass, Christ is going to come again. We anticipate a bit his coming. It's his second coming, because he came first in life of Jesus, but also he comes down to the altar every time we go to Mass. So we're anticipating that day already. That's why we begin the Mass with the, the confession. We're anticipating our own judgment. We say, hey, you don't have to wait to the end of time to accuse me. I'll accuse myself. I'll own it first. Hey, I did. And then, oh, okay, well, you're owning it. Then I know we're clear. You're sorry. I forgive you. And you move on, right? There's nothing to be fearful because we've anticipated every Sunday. Anything happened this week, I own it. I say I'm sorry. And then God's mercy comes in. And then communion happens. So we're anticipating eternity. We're anticipating passing the exam. We're anticipating the joy of the bridegroom arriving. And we're already with with our candles ready to help set up and just celebrate and enjoy the communion. So I'd invite you, uh, one of my, hop, uh, one of my uh, traditions there in my parish up in, in New York is to give homework. So uh, nobody likes homework, but this is good homework. This is helpful homework. This will prepare you for the final exam, right? Christ is really coming. That's actually not a question. Some people say, well, you know, especially if they're in health challenges or other things like, you know, as a priest, you deal sometimes with people in very dire health situations. And some of them respond with peace. It's like, okay, I know it's coming. And in fact, I've heard many in that situation say, you know what? Actually, I'm kind of grateful that I know. And in fact, I always knew, but now I really know. (laughs) Right? And they prepare. Right? So here's the homework. Living with this awareness makes life certainly more intense more meaningful, right? Keeping in, in mind the end. Like that one phrase, you don't want to be climbing the ladder of success only to find it's leaning against the wrong, wrong wall. <laughs> Knowing which wall you're against and where you're climbing. Like that anticipation is helpful, right? So let's try it. I'd invite you to do an experiment. Let's not wait for some tragic thing to happen or something that shocks us and wow, it's coming, right? 
some amazing uh, political event. Let's just prepare ourselves. Just think this week, pick one day of the week. Say, you know what, I'm going to live today as if it were the last. Not in some tragic, morbid sense, but in some sense, this is the last day before I'm with the one I love, God, in heaven forever, and all of my loved ones who've gone before me, and I begin that eternity of bliss. Let's live the day as if it were the last, right? With the same sincerity, the same freedom, the same joy, the same love, the same freedom. Imagine the freedom, right? There's movies about that. Somebody knows that <laughs> they just go spending, ruin their whole life, and then at the end they learn, well, that probably wasn't the best way to live my last day, right? Let's do that experiment. Pick a day and just try to live it so intentionally, so purposefully, so driven by love and mercy and forgiveness and conversations that need to happen, all of that. Live it that way and then see if that's not the best way to live. If you're like, that's the way to live a full day. That's the way to live life with anticipation. Again, not in the negative sense, but in that joyful anticipation of the bridegroom arriving. So let's continue this Mass knowing that he will also arrive here and we'll have communion with him. Let's ask the Lord for the graces we need to live that sincere, joyful, united relationship with him. And as we receive him in, in Holy Communion, for those who, who are Catholics or any, everyone to come up, those who are not, to commune with us in prayer by receiving the blessing, let's ask the Lord to give us all the strength we need to be ready like the virgins, to seek wisdom, to be waking up early in the morning and looking for him and listening, or bringing our concerns and worries at the end of the day to him and listening to him and discovering that wisdom of a relationship with God. Amen.